Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 101 Leroy Jenkins, the Vampire. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Mark Wilson's table in the Levitating Platter. Everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests, still the best unofficial Dungeons and Dragons podcast in my humbly biased opinion. And you're joining us now at officially episode number 101. We've done it. We've made it past 100 episodes. What a momentous time and achievement! And uh, before I unveil who our returning mystery guest is, gotta go ahead and give a shout out and a plug to my first sponsor, Plus One Exp. You know Tony Vicenda is the mastermind behind Plus One EXP. He makes all the beard balms and all the best beard stuffs out there on cyberspace. So go to his website, go ahead and get a little can of one of his beard balms that he makes. They're all named after the basic stats from D&D. So if you want to get a plus one strength or plus one dexterity or charisma or something like that to your beard, you can totally go ahead and do that. And of course, the whole game that launched this whole franchise, Beards and Beyond, is available on his website. And it is uh, not the only game that Tony's developed because he's also worked on Repugnant, I Toaster, Down We Go, Through the Void, Vamp Nugula, and Brand Standing, just to name a few. So if you go to Plus One EXP and you buy something on their store or you go to the itch page, tonyplus1.itch.io, all that money goes to help funnel into the Plus One Ford program, which seeks to support additional indie tabletop content creators to continue making awesome stuff. So if you're not already following Tony and Plus One EXP on all those social platforms, you should, as well as get on that Discord server because there's all sorts of cool happenings going on there. And when you go to the website, plusonexp.com, and you see that box for a special code to get a discount, type in Randolph, R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H, and you can get some savings on your purchase at no extra cost to you. Again, that code's Randolph on the website, plus1exp.com. So without further ado, hello, mystery contestant. Would you care to reintroduce yourself to our audience? Tell us who it is that you are and what is it that you do? Why, hello. And I, th I think it would be, well, I'll introduce myself in a moment, but it, there's some excitement in being the mystery guest and not being named just yet. So that, that's <laughs> exciting. I could go the whole episode and just be the mystery guest. But no, my name is Mark Wilson, 
and I'm a returning guest. So first off, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me back on and congratulations on a hundred plus episodes. I'm excited to be back on here for triple digits. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a lot of fun the first time and I'm a fan of the show as well. I have not had time to do all 101 episodes, but I've, <laughs> I've listened, I've listened to a number of them. So I'm a fan mm -hmm. of the podcast as well. So this is really exciting and a little bit about me. So, um, I've been involved with gaming, tabletop gaming, uh, board gaming, uh, for many, many years and have become embedded. I feel like in certain aspects of the hobby. So since 2019, I have managed a website called Bumbling Through Dungeons. Uh, you can find it at bumblingthroughdungeons.com. Uh, originally, it was D&D content only. I've extended that umbrella somewhat to just include tabletop gaming in general. And that is other TTRPGs. And I do a lot of board game reviews now as well. So I've been able to um, grow a reasonably sized audience and, and, and uh, traffic numbers to that. And I have a lot of fun writing for the website. And then there are some ancillary projects that I do. Um, so I have, I have a YouTube channel. I actually shuttered that at one point just because oh. it was, it was getting too much to do. I might mm. reopen it at some point, but honestly, I'm happy to say that like the videos that I made were instructional for me and they're sort of evergreen for fifth edition D and D. So sure. um, until we move into whatever comes next, of course. Sure. But, no, we're going to be fifth edition or die. It's fifth edition or die, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of edition agnostic, but it's, it's whatever I'm able to play with my friends and get to the table that I tend to enjoy the most. But I also sure. uh, create supplements for um, TTRPGs, mainly 5e D&D. And uh, a lot of those are available on the DMs Guild and Drive Through RPG. And so those have come out sporadically. Um, since I started the site and will continue to. So I have some plans. I have additional plans for more that will be coming out this year, probably as, um, you know, between now and whenever this episode is released. So it's been a lot of fun. It's a creative outlet. It's a social outlet. My, my social media presence is similarly sporadic, but it also allows me to stay in touch with what's going on in the hobby. And that's really fun just because it's a national and international community at this point. And it's also something where, you know, I can just sit down with friends every week and play. So it's, yeah. it's a very unique thing in my life. And I do more in board games now. As of this morning, as of today, I have my first board game designer credit on Board Game Geek. So, wow. That's <laughs> yeah. awesome. What board game? So it's actually a very simple card game, a tableau builder called High and Low. That's an ampersand in the middle. Um, okay. So you can find it. It's as of right now, I'm still kind of fleshing it out with uh, like a how to play video, the rules document, some pictures, things like that. It's very much a an introductory effort into board game design, but I've been working with a play test group and, and doing more in that realm as well. And so it's another great creative outlet within gaming and within my local community here in, I'm based in Columbus, Ohio. And so that's been exciting for me. The game itself is, is simplicity itself and was kind of, like I said, an introductory effort of something that's functional and pleasantly thinky, um, but also just allowed me to refine something and get used to the playtesting process. So there'll be more to come uh, from me there in, in coming months. And it's, it's not something that I ever imagined that I would be doing this long or this intensely. It's just been something where I've followed my passions into it and that's allowed me to meet people and get more creative about different things and see the awesome creativity elsewhere um, whether that's podcasts or adventures in D&D or other board games it's just so mm -hmm. interesting it's endlessly fascinating that side of the hobby tabletop gaming in general 
mm-hmm. is so interesting to me. And outside of playing, it's it's another outlet, which is really fun. Yeah, awesome. Uh, yeah, because I know when I was, I had to remember this, when I was editing your episode, I think that was uh, after all this turmoil with me doing various moves and having a kid and surviving snowpocalypse. And so I right. think I remember your episode kind of coming out a little delayed, but it definitely has been a very popular and strong episode. So if you haven't gone into our back catalog and listened to it, Digibrom Stone Song, uh, the Dwarf Hop Bard, Dwarf yep. Hip Hop Bard, uh, was a great, uh, fantastic episode. I actually have a, I actually have a fun, quick story in relation to that character. Yeah. So right now I'm kind of alternate with some people in my group DMing for D and D, and I'm playing in an adventure right now, uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Which mm-hmm. is one of the adventures for fifth edition D and D, yeah. And I'm playing the like descendant of Digibrom Stone Song, so it's wow. like the great that I'm playing the great grandson of Digibrom, and he is a dwarven bard who's trying to live up to the legendary tale of his ancestor. And wow, he's having a hard time of it because it's a tough legend to have to live up to, and sure. it's been a harrowing adventure for him so far. So he is similar. It's allowed me to like pull out all of my silly little raps and rhymes and things like that. So it's a lot of goofy fun at the table. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it was a way for me to create an interesting connection to something that I had done, you know, at this point years ago with you on the podcast. Yeah. Well, hopefully by this point in time, uh, Digibrom has beaten that Archfey or whoever, the god that cursed him. Yes, uh, yes, And yes. was able to pass on. <laughs> right. In his backstory, like he achieved his goal. That was like oh, nice. the, end point, the end point of his life. So, you know, tales are told about that. And th- at this point in the campaign, that happened, you know, centuries ago. So it's just like gone into myth and legend, but it's still a story that's told within the family of my player character. Yeah. So it sounds pretty easy giveaway then that you have been able to play D&D and some of these other TTRPGs since the last time we spoke and interviewed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I dabble in some other systems. Um, I frankly don't get to play a whole heck of a lot that isn't D&D. That's just so easy to get to the table. And that's always fine by me. Because again, as long as I'm with friends, I'm having a good time. I'm in a play-by-email Lord of the Rings RPG right now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that I'm co-GMing, which is really interesting. So we're doing like an alternate history of Lord of the Rings, like a scenario from it. Okay. And there are some other titles. Like I always like to see what's coming out. And even if it's not to play it or run it, I get to see what's coming out and read some of the interesting systems. Uh, right now, I'm making my way through the Avatar Legends RPG. Mm. And that's one that, so everyone in my D&D group actually really loves Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm hoping at some point to kind of pitch them on it and say, hey, I understand the system now. Let's run maybe like a mini campaign, like something that's five to 10 sessions, something like that. So I'm hopeful that I'm going to get to play that in the next year. Mm-hmm. But there are others like that where I'll find my way into like a one shot of certain systems. So it's mostly D&D, but yeah, definitely still active. Awesome. And uh, as you remember, this podcast being themed upon sidekicks and side quests, have you come across any new or interesting sidekick or NPC characters since the last time we spoke? Yes. So 
I thought about this a little bit and it was staring me in the face and it's actually from the IP that I just mentioned, the Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't know how familiar you are. Oh yeah, no, no. I I, I watched all of Atla on Netflix okay. years ago and then when the pandemic first hit, my wife and I binged the entire thing again and then we actually sat down and finally watched Korra because we had never actually seen and watched Korra all the way through. But yeah, we've consumed all of the appropriate Avatar materials. Yeah, yeah. And so I never watched it when it first came out. I only first discovered it a couple years ago. And it was, again, kind of a binge scenario. And mm -hmm. I, I heard it from enough people. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to see what this is about. And of course, I raced through Atla. And then mm -hmm. I watched Korra. And now I'm potentially preparing to run an RPG in that world. And so the, you know, the, the kids are the protagonists of that. And there are so many interesting characters and it's really the characters that drive that. And one of the most beloved characters from that entire world is uncle Iroh. Mm. I think there's so many brilliant things the show does with Iroh. And I started to think of him as I started to read the avatar legends book, I started to think of him and others as NPCs. That's what inspired me to think of this answer. Mm. And he's, I mean, you could almost think of him as, one of the protagonists, one of the main characters, but he's not. Everything that he represents is in service of like the story arcs of the main characters and the change that they go through. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a really brilliant example of how you craft an NPC who is present, who has a reason to be present for in a lot of different situations and for a lot of different characters. And whose backstory is intricately woven into the world and the conflicts that the players and the, the main characters are going to be involved in, but he never detracts from their story. He's the mm -hmm. guy, he's the mentor. With Zuko, he's even the antagonist sometimes because mm -hmm. it's like a foil to him so to facilitate his journey. And everything he represents is in some way in service of the journey that the main characters are taking. And... The more I thought of that, I thought this is really one of the best NPCs that I've ever seen fleshed mm -hmm. out in not originally in an RPG, but very much in an RPG sense of that word, where he feels very naturalistic. It's not just somebody standing there waiting to give you a quest. It's somebody who's really built into the world in a way that makes sense. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, we love, we stand Uncle Iroh, I guess, as the internet likes to say. Yeah, Uncle Iroh, <laughs> we love him. Yeah. He's the best dad in Atla, for sure. And to go along with it, what's been a new or interesting side quest that you've come across, and why is this side quest stuck out with you? Right. Uh, so this isn't a new side quest. I, I was actually pouring through my memory to see, to find a side quest that resonated with me. And I'm going to get a little bit metaphoric, maybe, <laughs> or a little bit abstract, because it wasn't one quest. But it, it, it was a type of quest, and I'll, I'll point to some specifics in a second. So as you know, I played World of Warcraft for many years, and it's also been years since I've played it uh, at all, let alone seriously. So mm -hmm. we're talking quite a few years ago, and there are a million quests in World of Warcraft, and most of them are forgettable, um, and some of them are actively annoying. Uh, and so, you know, people have their favorites and least favorites, and a lot of times the annoying ones are what's known as dailies. These things that you have to do to get progressive rewards, but you got to go back and do it every day or as many mm -hmm. days as you can. 
And there was always one group of dailies that I loved and everyone else seemed to hate. And I started to hone in on those quests. And I thought to myself, what was I getting out of it that they weren't? And it was in the uh, Wrath of the Lich King expansion up in an area called Storm Peaks. So anyone who, I, I know I'm losing anyone in your audience who doesn't play WoW, but if you do, like, <laughs> you, you're imagining it, you can see it. And there were these dailies that had really good rewards, but it meant doing like the same quest 50 times. And the point was though, like you got these quests and then it sent you out into the wilderness. And there was so much going on with the plot and the world and the main antagonists and what you were trying to do. And then here were these quests that like sent you out just into a blizzard, pun not intended with the- The developer. Right, 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 <laughs> the developer. And it sent you out into this absolute austere, harsh wilderness. And the music, as it often is in World of Warcraft, was absolutely beautiful. So I would have the music turned on and I'd be doing these daily quests. And it was almost like a Zen experience for me. It was like a meditation because it was this removal from everything else that was present in the game where you had to get the best gear and practice and learn boss strategies and do this and do that. And yes, I was working toward that, but I was just like out there in the wilderness with this beautiful music and I got to like sort of relax and it, it removed me from that maelstrom mm. of everything else going on in the game. And it made me realize that there are a lot of quests in D&D &D where I kind of enjoy being not for a long time, but just for a brief moment, like being pulled out into some remote location, whether that's a forest or a desert or a cave. And it doesn't need to tie to the main plot. It doesn't need to be intricately woven into everything you're doing. It can just be this respite from the stress of all the other stuff you're trying to get to. And it was this interesting little sidebar for me, you know, an interesting side quest for me. And I would always get a lot out of it just because it was my respite. It was my break time within the game where I was still doing something useful, but it was relaxing to me. And so using those wilderness aspects, which certainly exists in D&D &D and many RPG systems. So if you go into any setting, you're going to have your urban settings, you're going to have your wilderness settings and finding ways to cut off the players from like the civilization that maybe they know can help create a contrast. Like I could feel that contrast in World of Warcraft when I was out there in the, in the snow fighting whatever for whatever. Like, I don't even remember the specifics of it, but I just have a warm feeling about it. Mm. And that's the feeling that I retain probably, I don't exactly remember how long ago it was, but this is probably over a decade ago. And I can still like sort of just smile and remember the music and what I felt. I don't even remember what I was doing exactly, but I remember what I felt. And I think that in our oh, we need the dialogue scene, we need the combat scene, we need all these plot beats. We forget that like we can just create a tapestry with maybe you have music or not in your game. That doesn't even necessarily matter. But just like painting a scene and allowing players to exist in it, it can be an interesting removal from the rest of what they're doing. Yeah, no, I dig the whole aesthetic vibe and you were explaining the answer and it made me think of go out into the wilderness for isolation, for prayer, for contemplation. You're just existing. You're just basking in being itself. And you're right. just like, yeah. I'm here and I'm content and I'm enjoying the world and I'm communing uh, with it. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I'm sure some of our 
most recent previous guests would probably try and encourage you. You should get back into WoW because what is this dragon flight expansion <laughs> now that's come out? So you can like yeah. fly dragons or something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm so far removed from it that I don't, I didn't even know that. Time to boot up the old save files and see if they work. No kidding. Yeah. See if my log key button still works <laughs> to get <laughs> It's a weird game where I still miss it, but it's such a time sink that mm -hmm. to get the most out of it, you do kind of have to commit to it. And so I've, I've stayed away and I've kept, that's been okay for me because I have those nostalgic memories and I'm happy to treasure those rather than worrying about like keeping up with it. But if I had infinite time, I would absolutely, I would absolutely <laughs> hop back in. <laughs> and then to round out the personal interview catch up section, have you discovered any new passions or hobbies? Ooh, it's a good question. Probably last time I was on, I, I would have talked about gaming, probably swing dancing. So the pandemic changed many things. <laughs> and on the other side of it, a, a lot of things got rearranged, but I'm starting to get back out into nature more and uh, finding ways to stay active because as great as gaming is, I made a computer all day at, at mm. work. And then I made a computer a lot of times in the evening and gaming is sitting and, you know, it might be over drinks or food or whatever. And it's lovely. It's wonderful, but it is sedentary. And so I get a little restless. So we're still at it's it's March right now, and I'm looking at I looked outside. There's snow outside right now, where I'm mm -hmm. at. and so it's not quite nice enough to do some of what I'd like to do. But I do have um, I go kayaking here in uh, in Columbus where I'm at. So I have an inflatable kayak that I take out on the river, and that again is something where it's, it's exercise, but it's also uh, something that's like relaxing. And I have some friends that I go with other times. It's just me. You play World of Warcraft music and you're just serene yes. and you enjoy the, right. the area. If I had, I don't, I, I don't have like the mobile. I almost said Walkman. I am aging myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> so whatever the modern equivalent of a Walkman is. Um, and yeah, I don't have, I should play some wild music. That would be, that would be lovely. So I, I also make new friends while you're out on the river. Be like, Hey, is that World of Warcraft music? Yeah, right. Just bring a speaker with me and just play it as I go along for the people along the river or who are on, on the river with me. That would be funny. So I do that uh, here and there. It's not not right now, this time of year, but once it gets nice, I'll be back out. And I also have a group that I go rock climbing with, and that's been a lot of fun. So it's most of them are better than me. So it's a humbling experience, but mm -hmm. it's also good fun and nice exercise. So that's awesome. Well, it's been great to catch up here in the personal interview section that now I think it's time to head into a segment called NPC Creation. And of course, you know, NPC Creation is brought to you by you, the podcast audience and our patrons from Patreon. So now is the time of the show where we give a shout out to our comfortable patrons and above with a loud hurrah. So to you, Katie Downey, a.k.a. Goblin Katie, Anson Jablinski, and my parents, we say cheers. And of course, this is for patrons who donate $2 or more a month. And these folks are among my highest tier wealthy level patrons. So that means they also get to introduce an element of chance to our random tables that we might get to use here today in NPC creation. So if you want to learn more and join the cheapest podcast Patreon community out there, Go to the show notes below, go to my podcast website, or just go directly to 
patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests to find out more about our three tiers, one, two, four dollars a month, and help us expand our operations at the Levitating Platter in this demiplane and worlds beyond. All right, so of course, you remember this section is where we get to build out the NPC. Last time you brought us Digibrom Stone Song, and uh, this time, what are we doing? Do we have another character that we're unveiling, or are you going to actually uh, take a chance at the random tables and see what we get? Oh boy, let's start with a base and then okay. randomize some things. Does that sound all right? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay, so you've got an idea and we're going to start with that. And then when we need to, we will go ahead and roll some dice to fill in those other details. So the first question we have here is, what is the name of our character? So do you have that name or would you like to randomly generate that? Let's randomly generate that one. Okay, so that is a D20 roll. All right, so D20. Let's see what we get. That is a 19. 19. Wow. Okay, the spirit definitely guides this podcast because your answer was provided by previous guest Bobby Angel. The name you have is Leroy Jenkins. (laughs) So very much uh, a mythical figure within the world of Warcraft, certainly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> brilliant. Brilliant. That's too good. All right. So my goodness. So, so now I have this whole image in mind of what Leroy Jenkins is, but hopefully, hopefully we can take it a, a slight differentiate or maybe yeah. like, this is like the third or fourth generation after the original Leroy Jenkins. Yeah. So now we get to determine the ancestry of the character. So if you already know this, or if you'd like to randomly generate that ancestry. The ancestry. Let's stick with random. That's that. That was incredible. Okay. All right. So then, uh, the random ancestry roll is a D one hundred or two D tens. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Let's see. Ninety four. Ninety four. Okay. As I scroll down the list. Ah. Okay. So you have a you have some choices here. We have vampire, damp fear or stirogi okay so one of the ideas floating around in my head is actually for a vampire so we're definitely picking that one okay so we've got leroy jenkins the vampire the vampire yes the vampire okay and now we need to figure out what is the job or role in society for leroy jenkins if you would like to randomly generate that that is a d10 role otherwise um if you know what that is let us know all right, so let's the the randomization has worked out well, but I think in the not in the spirit of the original Leroy Jenkins, but in the spirit of someone who might come after and want to distance themselves from that myth, that legend. Mm-hmm. Let's make Leroy Jenkins the vampire a painter. Interesting. Okay, so spends all day painting. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, spends all night painting. I assume. Oh. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And then he's got to sleep in the day, of course. Okay. And then we need to determine the age range of our character. So this could be another Digibrom Stone Song situation where it's immortal, but if you roll a D8. um, All right. Yeah. Let's let's do that again, because that worked out well last time. So I'll, I'll roll randomly here. Sure. It's a three this time. Okay. Young adult. So, you know, he's a vampire, so he could still be a young adult, or maybe he's immortal, but he just appears as a young adult whatever you're thinking yeah and it depends a little bit on like you know you can become vampiric at least in you know D and a lot of various races 
And so if you're an Eric Cochran vampire, young adult might be two years old, but if you're an elven young adult, you might be 87 years old. So, yeah, so maybe, to, maybe to clarify, since, you know, we did say vampire and you can truly be a vampire in any other ancestry. Do you want to keep Leroy Jenkins a human or do you want to go with something else? We can keep him the human. Okay. So Leroy Jenkins is a young adult human in appearance, but he is a yeah. vampire yeah. and a painter. So with all these key pieces of information in mind, can you describe the physical appearance of our Leroy Jenkins, the painter who's a human vampire? Oh, okay. So I'm imagining that we have a vampire who is maybe trying to go against type a little bit Mm -hmm. and certainly against the foolhardy ancestry of the Leroy Jenkins name Mm -hmm. that they're going to be very sophisticated, very put together, uh, very well groomed and very well spoken, like soft spoken. Mm. Everyone's anticipating them just like yelling out whatever. And they're very, they're soft spoken and they want to let their, their painting silently speak for them, their paintings. And so it's nature paintings or um, still life or wherever they find, wherever, wherever they find beauty. Interesting. Just very opposite. I'm like, Leroy Jenkins, how do I just run the opposite direction? <laughs> sure, yeah. So that's that's where my head's at. He's an aesthetic monk that lives in the desert and eschews all material goods. Oh my, sure. Yeah, so he could be a bit monastic. The desert, though, the desert, though, hmm. That might imply certain quests, too, because, like, how does he get anywhere in the desert? I mean, he's a vampire. He could probably travel super fast or whatever. That's true. That's true. He's got got a fly speed or something, right? Right, right. Yeah. So he makes like night trips into the into the city or something. Yeah. Okay. Or you know maybe he's in a generic temperate fantasy land or something like that that may be akin to Europe. You know, it's whatever you want. Or maybe he's in the World of Warcraft world, just living in the outskirts of a major horde or alliance community or something like that. I like the idea that he's in in a desert. I like that suggestion that you made. So like a a desert cave that he's sort of created into an underground mansion. Mm. So he's using the natural beauty of the world to actually create his manner, as it were. It's very naturalistic, but sure. I don't know that he's entirely moral. So Mm -hmm. he uses his vampiric powers to maybe like hypnotize people into, you know, helping him create his underground world. Or I was going to say, if he took it over for someone, like he just, maybe this used to be like an ancient temple or a palace or something like that in the desert in the natural caves or rock splendor or whatever. And then he just moved in and was like, well, this is mine now or something. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Like a sunken, like buried by the desert, the sands of time and all that. Yeah. Could be, could be. And, And that, yeah, you can get some really poetic imagery with that too. If you have like some temple to the gods that's just become sunken but you sort of unearth it and reveal the beauty but it's still mostly just it's mostly buried you just have to get into it and then if you had to describe our leroy jenkins with three adjectives what three adjectives would you use (laughs) i like that you had to make that distinction very clear our leroy jenkins let's see i think i already landed on one of them Mm soft-spoken and polite like doesn't interrupt (laughs) (laughs) and 
shy isn't the right word. They wouldn't be shy necessarily. Mysterious. Mysterious. Yeah. So not not revealing of too much. I don't know if it got said when you were describing the physical appearance of our Leroy Jenkins. Does he bear like a very similar striking image to his ancestor, or does he look like completely different than you know the progenitor Leroy Jenkins? So let's say that he does, and he does as much as he can to avoid that in his like demeanor and dress. And so like the resemblance is obviously there, but Mm -hmm. in like culturally, he's trying to avoid the comparison. (laughs) So very interesting, a vampire kind of going against the aristocratic nobility sort of uh, attire, you know, like is just like in, I don't know if he's in sackcloth or just like camel hair robes or whatever else. Yeah, very, very plain clothes, probably. Yeah, plain clothes. Yeah. Functional. And if he's out in the desert, there's probably things to make sure that like to, to limit sun exposure, even if he's asleep mostly during the day. Yeah. So, and this is all to say, like, Mark loves the whole Leroy Jenkins <laughs> video and tale and all that. So the fact that our NPC is kind of like distancing himself from it is the npc only so i think it's delightful so i think it's a great bit of wild lore maybe blizzard will listen to this episode and they'll decide to stick like a a descendant vampire npc character out in one of the deserts there in uh in the world of warcraft that would be ridiculous blizzard if you're listening i will i will re-up my wow account if you if you put (laughs) this npc into the game just to just to monkey with all your players and and mess with them a little bit (laughs) So is there a story behind how he became a vampire? Did he deliberately seek this out as a way to like distance himself so he wouldn't inherit the legacy that was kind of maybe going to be foisted upon him as a Jenkins man? No, I'm, I'm thinking probably it's not necessarily all legacy based. So like you don't you don't get driven out into the desert and become like a recluse uh, nomad for that alone, just to avoid like scrutiny because of your name. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe he was turned, wasn't a fan of being a vampire at first and eventually accepted his lot in life, his fate, mm-hmm. but wants to escape, you know, wants to escape that as well. So whether or not he's like the, the stereotypical evil vampire or not, I'm not sure, but mm-hmm. I think he's probably trying to escape his past in some way which is undoubtedly related to having been turned into a vampire. So maybe his family turned on once this came to light, you know, and it has to be relatively recent as well, because, you know, if he's still a, if he's still a young adult and he hasn't been a vampire for too long. So he's still kind of, he's still kind of dealing with this and figuring out what he wants to be because he's looking, he's looking ahead at a life that's going to be potentially centuries long. Yeah, because I'm just trying to imagine like his NPC backstory, like his family's encouraging him to carry on the Jenkins name. So you have to be this great adventurer and go out. And maybe his first big quest was, oh, sure, I'm a Jenkins. I can take on a vampire. No problem. And the vampire quickly turned him. And then he just kind of had like a, well, I don't know if he had a mental break or he just had a crisis of faith, as it were. And it's like, what am I doing? Do I even want this kind of a thing? And then just kind of fled to the desert, like maybe we're imagining. And he's like, no, I'm just going to be an artist. I'm just going to live by myself and, uh, you know, not worry about what my family says or what my legacy says I should be. Yeah. And I think that gives us the character a little bit more nuance 
there are you have your classic sort of larger than life villains that are vampires like Strahd and stuff mm-hmm. in, in D and D, but then there are also ones that are more conflicted. I'm thinking of like Interview with the Vampire, if anyone's seen that movie, where you have people who sort of embrace this life and live a debaucherous lifestyle and others who see it as a curse. And Mm. so he's so new to this, he probably hasn't settled on what he's going to become. And he's sort of trying to figure it out. And he knows that, all right, he's been ostracized. And now he has a long time to figure out what his life is going to look like and what he's going to do with it. Um, I like, I like though, that maybe he started out as an adventurer who was in the, he cried his name, ran in, ran into the tomb, got bit by a vampire and his friends assumed he was dead, but then he woke up and was like, ah, I'm a vampire now. Right. So it happened exactly like the original Leroy Jenkins, (laughs) except (laughs) he just woke up after it. He was like, Oh, I'm not dead. And of course, we like all of our NPCs to have a valuable item, maybe a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that they ascribe to. So if, if this is something you want to generate randomly, you know, we can do that. Or if you have some ideas of maybe some of these kinds of things that come to mind, obviously, maybe his vampirism is a secret. You know, he it sounds like he does have to venture into a nearby town to feed or to acquire art supplies or whatever else. I'm just curious if he's actually selling his work in the town and maybe that's if he's like trying to be like, well, I'm going to be this artist and I have to afford a income somehow. I know I'll just be like this anonymous painter that drops my art off at this gallery and the person knows to set aside money for me and I come and collect it at a later time or something. Yeah, honestly, like the reclusive painter probably commands a decent price for his work. That could be the source of income and how he, you know, how he does some things there. So magic items. I had an idea when you were talking, it actually relates to, this is an item that I sort of homebrewed in D&D for a campaign that I ran, and it ties in pretty well to a vampiric nature. So it's a sword that basically is some some magical sword with some Mm -hmm. limited amount of sentience that that drinks and absorbs the blood that it draws. I'm getting Craven Edge vibes, like from a critical role, you know, the sword that like sucks in the blood and then like makes the person stronger or whatever. When they Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so ironically, I'm thinking of something again, I'm aging myself a little bit. I'm thinking of a sword that existed in a dark sun video game like like 30 years ago, almost. Sure. And I I based a a weapon off of it in fifth edition. Okay. It basically heals you for a certain amount of so it like absorbs the blood and transfers it to the owner so it's it's like a vampiric blade that helps heal okay. you but then mm-hmm. the more you use it the more corrupted you become oh and okay. so there's a there's a corruption aspect of it and eventually like if you overuse it like bad things could happen where you either have to like eventually master it or like you start suffering co- certain consequences and it, it could change you into a more feral persona interesting yeah. And so this, I, I mean, maybe this is how he like draws blood and absorbs it without killing, but it's still slowly corrupting him. Interesting. So he's an ethical vampire in that he doesn't want to like actually like bite into someone physically, but he will murder someone with this sword. And then that's how it's feeding him the blood. Yeah. And like you could even, it doesn't even have to be lethal. So I'm thinking that like, regardless of whether or not he's killing, mm-hmm. you know, he could just be wounding 
but it's still slowly corrupting him. A lot of wounded still... people in this desert town. Right, yeah. It's like people keep getting these hor horrible paper cuts. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking he's probably close enough to an urban center that he can do some of this covertly. Okay. Like regardless, he's trying. He's trying to fight the corruption, but it's not. Mm. It's not. It's not working. And did he have this sword pre-existing to his having become a vampire? Was it in the abode that he just found? I mean, maybe that was like related to how he got turned. Like that was loot from that. Oh, from, from that, that dun dungeon. That dungeon, yeah, where he okay. you know, went went in and did the thing, but then died and came back, and he was a vampire. And they had also slain enough creatures that there was some loot, loot left over. So mm. this is like the curse transferring. So um, oh. from from one to the other. So whatever they killed and turned him was the previous owner of this sword. Ooh, interesting. So his party wiped out the vampire that he failed to kill. And then when he came to, like, this is the sword. Like the rest of his party was like, no, this is damaged goods. We can't, this is evil, cursed. We can't take it. But then he woke up and was like, oh, okay, cool sword. I'll take this. Yep. And he was alive and there was a magical sword and he took it and then he, you know, realized after the fact that, oh, oh goodness, this is, <laughs> this, this is helping me, but it might not also be a great thing. And so. also interesting then in this scenario that his party just decided to leave him because you figure like, oh, a D and D party, like if someone dies, we're going to go in there and retrieve your body um, you know, and try and bring it to a cleric to resurrect or something like that. But the fact that his party left him behind and because maybe they were too scared because like, ah, a vampire or maybe you know, they had to do battle with the vampire and then they just, I don't Yeah, it's kind of interesting now well, wondering why he got left behind. Maybe if he pulled a Leroy Jenkins, they were just so upset at him. <laughs> they're like his great great grandfather did this we can't we knew we shouldn't have brought him this up this is why time. did we bring why did we bring this jerk he just yep. he just ran in he did the exact thing we told him not to do mm -hmm. and now we're all gonna die so maybe they just thought that he got his just desserts and, and mm. there are probably other there are probably other explanations but that mm -hmm. one to me seems seems very thematic to the character name at least and then, of course, we like all of our NPCs to have side quests to offer up. So what's going to be your particular quest that our Leroy Jenkins would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? So if you want to randomize that, it's a D12 role. Or if you have an idea, what do you think the side quest would be? Mm. Given the random curveball of a name that we got, I think we crafted a pretty decent backstory for Leroy here. Mm hmm he's in the desert but he's not too far from an urban setting mm -hmm. and i'm wondering if something got stolen from him or he's looking for something maybe a way to turn back from a vampire or okay. even if it's just like a stolen painting that's very dear to him of like someone he knew in his former life but it's mm. it got stolen and they actually like went into the desert and so like the other direction in a way where he's not going to be able to make that trip and he's mm. not going to have the protection that he needs and so it wasn't that they could take a vampire. It's just that they got away. And now the environment itself is the protection. He wants the group to like pursue somebody who's taken something from him. Okay. Sort of a fetch quest, but it's related to like a very dear item to him and potentially something that could help him either like assuage his bloodlust or if he's a brand new vampire, maybe even, you know, like find some magical means to overturn it. Mm, okay. 
All right, so a painting of someone dear or just like a painting that he really likes or that he cherishes got stolen from his residence within the desert and they fled in the opposite direction, deeper into the desert. And it's in such a way that he's not able to protect himself and survive that journey, which is why he asked the player characters to go. Okay. And so then it's a matter of confronting this person and getting it back, whether that means by lethal means or um, stealth or thievery or whatever else. But what is going to be the reward, you think, if they are successful? If he's a painter of any renown, he could do commissions for them to gain wealth or influence. He's not going to have the type of gold, probably, like just money. Squirreled away. Yeah, he's not going to have like a bunch of stuff that he can just hand over to them, but he can basically repay them with art that if they want to keep it, he's making these personalized pieces of art for the adventurers, then, you know, what's special about them? They could gain influence in the area through this notoriety, or if they Mm -hmm. just need to pawn it for some money, it's worth a fair amount because it's high quality art. Sure. Yeah. And oh, it's the elusive painter of the desert did this portrait of my character. It's like, ah, I can look really cool above the mantelpiece of my stronghold and give me notoriety and prestige, or I can sell it and get a pretty penny from it. Interesting. Right. I'm imagining how much I've paid for like character artwork portraits for uh, my characters in the past. And so this is like the in-game equivalent of that. It's like, hey, mm-hmm. do you want your adventuring party drawn? Well, I'll do it for you. So yeah, they, they, they would basically be able to just have ongoing commissions from him that they could use however they want. So they could gift them, they could sell them, they could use them to decorate their homes and keeps and castles and whatever else. And then what do you think this then also opens up a future side quest? If our Leroy Jenkins is truly wanting and desiring to remove his vampiric affliction, depending on if you use rules as written or you have to do some other creative means of getting rid of the vampirism? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Or he likes being a vampire. Yeah, so... Like you would, pro- I would probably, if this were me running this, I would probably have a series of like charisma checks involve the players somehow to like break him of whatever corruption he has in him already. So I wouldn't make it a yes, no question. I would, I would kind of leave it up to the dice rolls and the actions of the players as to whether or not he stays corrupted or continues on that route. And also like if you're chasing someone into the desert, You know, there are a lot of different things you can do to insert complications there, of course. Did the person who stole it get killed and now it's there are creatures that have it? Do they hide out in some cave or keep that's in the desert or in the mountains um, that you have to infiltrate? So there are a lot of different ways you could take that to add complications that I think could be interesting. That would make it trickier than just, oh, let me go track this person down, either Mm -hmm. steal it from them or kill them and, and take this painting back a lot of nuance that you could flesh out there. Mm. I'm not entirely sure which way I would take it though. Or if the players decide to snoop and they find the sword and that the sword is like a pretty major corrupting influence. Cause I know you were saying like a series of checks, but maybe if they investigate, they find the sword and it's what magic it possesses. They might gain some insight or advantage and being able to be like, well, see, actually, this thing is corrupting you and making you think you should want to be a vampire. But if you don't want to be a vampire, you don't actually have to be if you don't want to. Yeah. And you can maybe leave some clues to that. Like, maybe he's like whispering to the sword or something as though he's having a dialogue with it. So giving the players the sense that like something's a little bit off here. 
Very cool. And then, of course, we have to consider the opposite. What's going to be the consequence of failure or refusing the call to the adventure? Ooh, well, yeah. So if you refuse, well, if you fail, let's say. Yeah, like the painting's destroyed in the process of trying to get yeah, it. Yeah, so, so this is a, a very dear a, a very dear item to Leroy to send somebody out and, and make these promises. Then he's on a descent into like a dark place. And so eventually the party might gain the animosity of Leroy. And maybe more so if they accept the quest and fail than if they just turned it down initially. So maybe he starts to get paranoid, like, oh, these people that I sent to get the painting, did they steal it for themselves? Did they do something rash and get it destroyed? Uh, Why haven't they gotten back to me? Why did they fail? So eventually there might become like an obsession or a paranoia that results in overt antagonism from this character Mm. who they, they failed to help in some way. Yeah, or, you know, he just progressively sends more and more vampiric minions and and undead after the party, you know, as part of that paranoia before he, you know, maybe gets high enough level himself that he's just like, all right, big bad evil vampire Leroy Jenkins, I'm going to 1v1 all of you. Yep, and you got the perfect tagline for when he charges into battle. (laughs) So he just, he does a full 180 back to his roots and just screams Leroy Jenkins before charging in and attacking the party. Oh no. Yep. And and in that moment, he fully loses his soul because he's mm. given up any everything that he that he wanted to avoid. <laughs> awesome. And did you want to consider any of the other optional questions or do you feel like Leroy's pretty well fleshed out? Uh I think we're probably in a pretty good place. So as with anything, I, I love this process for creating NPCs. I rarely go into this much detail for my NPCs, but asking questions like this and mixing it with randomization and things like that is a great method in general. So I think, especially after I did the podcast with you the first time, I did similar things a few times to build out NPCs who were going to be recurring. But yeah, I think we have a pretty decent NPC going. Okay. Well, now that we've uh, crafted our Leroy Jenkins, I think it's time we take him into a segment called The Random Encounter. So this random encounter is brought to you by no ads because at the time of this recording, we don't have an ad for this spot. So if you got some money or anything like that, something you want to promote, feel free to drop me an email and uh, let me know what you got going on. And I'd be happy to uh, display it at this part of the show. So, you know, I appreciate everybody who listens and supports me. And in turn, I can do that for you. Maybe if you've got a little coin in your pocket, um, that might help out. But again, Feel free to email me all those details. We'll be happy to figure something out. So all of you rich, noble women and uh, eccentric lords, feel free to drop me a line. Okay, so random encounter. So this, of course, is the vignette, the role play segment of the show. So what kind of scene are you interested in showcasing Leroy Jenkins? Is Leroy Jenkins going to meet a podcast player character is this going to be the impetus for him charging into the dungeon alone and becoming a vampire or him interacting with some sort of servant in his castle or maybe even the confrontation with the thief who steals the painting and makes off into the desert dawn because that would probably be the better time to try and steal it yeah that's a lot of choice let's do like the meeting with the player in like an alleyway this would probably happen like not in the tavern but like off to the side 
Okay, so you want to meet a podcast player character then? Yeah, sure. So to remind you who we have, and we've added some characters since last time, we have Duncan, who's the recklessly brave, happy-go-lucky adventurer for hire. We have Sonia, the warrior woman, who started off as a barbarian and multiclassed into a paladin, serving the god who redeems the undead. We have Korak, the lawful evil, arcane trickster, roguish dwarf. We have Chrisley, the herbalist, botanist, wood elf, druid, who multiclassed into a cleric, serving living memory. Um, we've also got Orion, who is the astral elf illusionist wizard, who's kind of like a Spock, sort of a kind of a guy. And then we have a brand new character that was just recently made. She is a tiefling sorcerer, wild magic, Feywild sort of flavored sorcerer named Agape. And so of all of those characters, who are you most interested in playing the scene off with? I forgot the name, but the barbarian turned paladin who redeems the undead. Oh, Sonia. Yeah, I think that's too perfect not to choose for this particular scenario. So where we last left our hero, Sonia, she had wandered into the Feywild, and she had wandered into a court and met Moose, who was the fabled dressmaker of the Feywild. She told a worthy tale and helped set Moose free from the service of that fairy court and uh, helped escort Moose back into the prime material plane and reunited her with her descendants of her family. And it's not long before that Sonia finds an opportunity to meet up with Axios, her sponsor, and they decide to take a journey and they start heading off towards the desert and they find this rough and tumble desert trade hub kind of nestled out there in a uh, oasis sort of a situation. They're arriving into town. Of course, Axios has been journeying for a while and Axios is doing his thing where he has to like power down for like a couple of days before he's actually able to continue on with the journey of finding the undead creatures and redeeming them. And so in this time, while Axios has been set up in a safe place in the local tavern, Sonia is exiting the tavern and is beginning to take in the cool of the evening because there's like a, maybe an outdoor evening bazaar or something going on because now that the heat of the day is done, you can actually do a little bit of shopping in peace. Where are we going to find Leroy Jenkins as Sonia is exiting from the tavern to make her way towards this evening bazaar? Sure. So I would probably have some minion uh, with a small satchel of gold pieces approach Sonia and basically say, you know, my master wishes to speak with you in private and, and basically indicate me, Leroy, a cloaked figure, um, just kind of in the shadows, just into an alleyway between buildings here. Okay. And so Sonia will look and regard this minion, who I guess is a, a human, I'm supposing. Sure. Yeah. And so she'll look over and like, that's the barbarian warrior instincts kicking in, but she'll subtly hold up her hand and there's like a, a pulse and as she does like a divine sense and she looks up and her eyes lock on with the hooded figure and, and can sense like his undead nature. And so keeping her cool, keeping her warrior focus, uh, she walks over, approaches slowly with the servant of Leroy Jenkins. And so she'll say, how can I be of service to you? Why, hello. Thank you for taking my inquiry. By the look of recognition in your eyes, I can discern that you 
know my nature. She nods slowly. Yeah, I kind of let the moonlight cascade across my face and briefly show like a fang and it glints in, in the moonlight before I recede back into the shadows. Mm-hmm. I have heard of your, I have heard of your adventures and your cause. I am new to all of this and searching for my own redemption. Okay, and she'll roll an insight check. We'll say she rolls really high. So is is he being truthful? At this point, yeah, I, I, I believe so. So eventually, as we discussed, maybe maybe that could change. But at the moment, yes, he's he's conflicted, but um, it is a truthful intent. And so then, uh, yeah, she'll relax her stance a little bit, maybe not be as defensive or ready to go. And so she'll say, yes, I, I am here with my colleague, who has the power to redeem you, to help you on that path of atonement, but he is at rest and will be for the next several days. So in the meantime, uh, how is it that I can provide you comfort and aid? Thank you for the offer of assistance. No, no, we can trust her. We must trust someone. Sorry, my apologies. I, I'm sometimes scatterbrained. Uh, I was speaking to someone who is not here. And that was him kind of looking down at his scabbard and, and, and talking pointedly at it before looking back up at Sonia. As I say, I am in need of assistance, which I believe you can provide. But I have a more urgent matter, one that is more time sensitive. Okay. I have lost all friends, all connections. Some of it willingly, much of it not. One of the few connections... One of the only things that allows me to retain what I once knew, the warmth that I once knew of my friends and family, was lost to me. A painting of my only true friend. Her name was Saffron. I have not seen her for many years, but a painting of her was all that I had left. It was taken from me. Now, one such as I has means of reacquiring such things. But they left into the desert. I can give you information on them, but could not follow them myself. It is too treacherous for me to leave the safe confines of the land that I know. The desert is not a kind place to one such as I. Retrieve it for me, I beg of you. It and she are dear to me. I retain so little of what I once was. I will believe it will help me in in my return to the light. And having that insight and believing you to be truthful, she tries to do an arcana check But at this point, her arcana check is not very strong. So when she saw him looking at the sword, she was trying to figure out something. But she just she wasn't able to discern it. And so, you know, she doesn't understand what happened in that moment. But she accepts it as like, okay, you know, he's maybe he's like fighting his nature and stuff like that. And so she'll just be like, okay, well, yes, I can I can help you. Like I said, my my mentor, my friend is here. He's resting. But as soon as. As soon as Axios is rested, he will he will put you on the right path. So what is it? Yes, tell me where it is that I must go and I will I will retrieve this this painting. Excellent. I believe the thief left with this item in a merchant caravan less than a day ago. I will point you toward its its path. They trade with the, the tribes in the desert, and it is not a path that I can take alone. You will have enough information and to retrieve the item. I entrust you with this, and I will repay you in kind. 
this painting is not for sale, but others will be. I can provide many for you. They can act as gifts or simply as gold. They are treasured in this part of the world. You have my word on this. She'll nod and she'll agree to the terms. And so then uh, we'll begin the montage of acquiring the directions and the descriptions of uh, the certain individuals. And so then she will say, all right, I'll rest up. I'll get some supplies from the market. And then she'll say, you know, she'll tell you where to find Axios in the meantime. If you need him sooner, he should be able to help you kind of a thing. Sure. And so she will, after resting, she will set forth into the desert after the art thief. And scene. Yeah, and scene. There we go. So we did it. And uh, what did you think getting to be Leroy Jenkins as opposed to Leron Jenkins? <laughs> yeah, it was quite different. So I knew I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. So I, I, I had some ideas in my head and... As soon as as soon as I rolled that and you said Leroy Jenkins, I'm like, oh, here we go, because this (laughs) is going to take a different turn than anything I was anticipating. So I did actually. Yeah. So I I did actually get to pull in a couple ideas that I had prepped beforehand, but it was certainly guided a lot by those those random roles. So that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Honestly. So you said, oh, maybe Blizzard will put a new Leroy Jenkins in. I think I'm hoping Blizzard doesn't listen to this because like. The actual fear is they say, well, Leroy Jenkins is a Blizzard property. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Which I, they wouldn't do either. But uh, mm-hmm. that, that thought crossed my mind when you mentioned that. So, but yeah, sure. that, that was a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. And now that you're two for two on this podcast, uh, how has it been, you know, your original time, your second time? I was a lot less nervous this time, I think. So I'm more used to improvising. It's a couple more years of GMing experience, maybe. So when you get thrust into, you, you semi-randomly roll an NPC and then suddenly you're role-playing as them in a scene, like that can be intimidating. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes. So not that, you know, not that that scenes or any scene is ever perfect, but like just being able to jump in and out of different characters comes with time. So I've also, I feel like I've more so than before, because I came with a little bit more of a pre-made NPC last time. I appreciate the value that randomization provides and I won't say, so when I run, I run a lot of sandbox campaigns and I'll have like the overarching structure of the plot in my head, but so many of the details, I don't really know in advance and I leave a lot of it up to chance or fate or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And Mm -hmm. so I'll build out a bunch of tables and I'll know what's on the tables so it's not entirely random to me, but I don't know what's going to come up at what point mm-hmm. and how the players are going to react to it and how those things eventually mix together into things that you can't predict. And so many wonderful things in the campaigns that I run come out of these moments that are a surprise, not just to the players, but to me as well. And so I've definitely started to embrace that more. And honestly, I think one of the more fun moments of that for me was that first podcast where I think I accidentally, like you told me the wrong die and I rolled um, Immortal for Digibrum. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was supposed to be a D8 and I rolled like a D20 or something. And so anything above, you know, was going to be Immortal. But that was really funny because it helped us create a, a cool story about the character. And I remember that moment as being something that I would not have thought of on my own that only came about because we randomized it. 
yeah. So, you know, as we're talking here in the final thoughts and we're getting, you know, your concluding ideas and opinions on how your second time on the show has been, you know, I'm just glad to have you back on. You know, I always wanted to be able to have returning guests. And so to get that perspective shift from like, oh, the first time I was nervous. Now the second time it's like, oh, I'm a pro. I could do this in my sleep all day long. Well, I did. That isn't quite what I said. <laughs> Less nervousness, but yeah, like always, always, always room to improve, but definitely fun both times, but a lot more comfortable with it this time. And, you know, thank you for having me back on because otherwise, you know, we wouldn't have gotten to catch up and, you know, have another interesting conversation and create another interesting NPC. Yeah. So any plans for Leroy Jenkins to be showing up in your game anytime soon? Honestly, I think the hardest part of this character to use in a campaign would be the name. I think I think everything else could exist pretty easily. Like that vampire character could be slotted into a lot of different settings and campaigns. Mm -hmm. So I might change the name slightly to evoke Leroy Jenkins, but not mm -hmm. be exactly Leroy Jenkins. But I also think that having that name exactly for us made for a lot of fun because it gave us a lot to think about and start building the character from. So yeah, absolutely. In the same way that I didn't use my first character from the podcast exactly, but I was able to build off of that mm -hmm. and make a similar one who's now a PC, not even an NPC, mm -hmm. and use that as kind of backstory. Yeah. Just keeping these ideas in the back of your head, regardless of how you came up with them, can occasionally reap rewards because you never know when it's going to make sense to have a vampire character like this as a, you know, as a side quest or recurring NPC or whatever, you know, potential antagonist or, you know, evil villain, if it fails, like there's a lot of different ways it could go. So, and that's one of the neat things about uh, so many characters that get created on, on your podcast, because you're going one level deeper into not just, oh, here's a name and a voice and one personality trait. You're really getting into what motivates the character. And that's when some of the most interesting quests and plot beats happen in campaigns. So hopefully I get to use, hopefully, you know, if, if we, if we get, do this again in episode, you know, 200 and something, I'll, I'll be able to come back and say, I used a, a version of the vampire character. <laughs> awesome. And so, yeah, with the final moments of the podcast, let's go ahead and hear those plugs for whatever you got to share. If we can follow you on social media, if there's websites or causes or passion projects or anything like that, that we need to know about, let us know. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, I won't go on for too long. I think I honestly mentioned most of it toward the beginning. So you can find me uh, bumblingthroughdungeons.com. So I'm, I'm very active on Board Game Geek and RPG Geek as well. So my username there is mawilson4. So I run a blog on, I have my own blog on Board Game Geek. I'm active with the design community. So you can find me on Twitter. It's at BT Dungeons. So that's a reference to the Bumbling Through Dungeons website. You can always hit me up there. And so I'm really looking forward to hearing the episode come out. Again, really excited to see you into the second hundred. So congrats again on 100 plus episodes. And hopefully you hit a lot more. Hopefully... 200, 300, and it's still going strong. So it's been cool to see sidekicks and side quests grow as, you know, as it seems to have done and to have been a, a tiny part of that. So it's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast, or 
feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, sidekicksandsidequests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art, stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, simply send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, or you've never played Dungeons and Dragons before, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. And finally, after two years, I've decided to open a Patreon for Sidekicks and Sidequests. If you love this podcast and you want to help us grow and expand our operations, I would appreciate it if you would go on over to patreon.com forward slash sidekicks and sidequests. No matter your lifestyle expenses, we have wonderful rewards at every level of Patreon membership tier. Your name on the wall of the levitating platter, a loud hurrah on the podcast, or the possibility to introduce an element of chance to NPC creation. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four!